Hello, good morning to you. Today's reading is taken from the second book that Dr. Luke wrote. He called it The Acts because it is about the acts that Jesus' apostles made after he had left them. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of it to Israel? He said to, th- he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you, Lord. I was singing... Your goodness is running after me. And that seemed outrageous. But I found it in Psalm 23, verse 6, in the New Living Version. version. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. How amazing is that? What an amazing God. Recently, a dear friend shared her concern that she hadn't been giving enough thought to God. How is it possible, she pondered, not to have always on your mind the creator, the eternal, the only living God? This had a profound effect on those who were listening. And after a brief silence, her friends assured her that she lives closely with God, that she honours him through selfless service and through her devotion to care for others. Moses bore the protests and criticisms of the Israelites after, in God's mercy, their miraculous release from Egyptian slavery. Committed to his people and dedicated to seeking God's will for Israel, 
Moses presented their case to the Lord and God lovingly answered. I've heard these pleas from Moses described as private conversations. God made known his will through the private conversations. I think that in her humility, in her devotion to care for others, our friend is daily having such a private conversation with her beloved God that even she doesn't quite realise it. There is something really beautiful about spring. I think it's, it's the promise of warmer days. There's more light. And for me personally, the opportunity to grow vegetables. You know, this year is particularly special as we come out of our homes and emerge from a lockdown that's impacted us for an entire year. There's a newness in the air, isn't there? There's change. And with this in mind, I thought it good to look at just a few verses at the beginning of Acts where one part of the gospel story ends and another begins. Another moment of great change. And this story is commonly known as the Great Commission. And there are three key areas that um, I'd like to cover today in the next 10 minutes or so. The first one is questions and what they show about our hearts. The second point is answers and what it shows about God's hearts. And then finally, looking at God's specific answer to the disciples' question. So let's start with point one, questions and what they show about our hearts. You know, the key focus of this story is Jesus telling his people to be witnesses to the world. But that story starts with a question from the disciples in verse 6. And that question is this. It says, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When there's change in lives, there's usually questions, isn't there? It's, it's natural that we as humans don't just accept things. We like to understand things. We want to put things in order. I think many of us here today are asking questions about the changes we are seeing and experiencing in society today. Things like, what, what will our lives be like post-shutdown? When will life be normal again? What will the future look like? The disciples' question was also a similar one. When are you going to fix Israel? And this is the first point I want to make, and it's about questions and our hearts. You see, I think the type of questions we ask show where our hearts are. The disciples' heart, their desire, is to see Israel getting fixed. Their focus was on Jesus, the victor for Israel alone, freeing them from Roman rule rather than Jesus, the victor for all mankind, freeing the human race from sin. I believe the kind of questions we dwell on here show where our hearts are at. And, and I'm not saying that these questions are wrong. I'm just pointing out that questions often are an indicator of where our hearts are at. And here's a sub-point about questions in our hearts. 
where do we go for our answers? Like the disciples, as Christians, we should be taking our questions to God regardless of what they are. We do this through speaking with him, through prayer. Let's take our questions, our hearts, to God. Point two, the answer God gives and what it shows about God's heart. Taking our questions to God, just like the disciples did in this particular um, case, is important. Our questions may show God where our heart is, but his answers often show us where our hearts should be. His answers often show us where our hearts should be. For some, God's answers come in dreams and visions. For many, his answers come through the prompting of our hearts by his Holy Spirit or through the words in the Bible. And I think this is one of, I don't think, I know, this is one of the critical reasons why we should read his words on a daily basis. However God's, however God's answers come, they change us, they mould us, don't they? They shape us and they show us where his heart is at. And what we see here in this question is that the disciples' uh, question would show where their heart is at when you're going to fix Israel. And Jesus' response to his disciples' questions is well-known, it's beautiful, and critically, it shows where Jesus and God's heart is at. Point three. Let's have a look at Jesus' answer and what he said to his disciples. And he said this in verse seven, going into verse eight. He said, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's just spend a few minutes unpacking this. When Jesus, uh, what Jesus is, um, says here is that you're focused on something that is not yours to know. Disciples, you are focusing in on the wrong thing. The state of Israel is not your concern, but you will be touched powerfully by God's Spirit. And you will change the world by spreading the great news about me. You know, we may be asking God what our future holds and what our lives will be like. And if you're asking God these things, then his answer is likely to be the same as it was to his disciples. The order of things is not for you to know. That's not your concern. But I do want you to share the great news about me with others. Jesus used this word witness. Being a witness in biblical terms is to share the great news of Jesus Christ with others. And we show this 
in two broad aspects. One, our behavior, and the other, our language. To use our mouths to tell the gospel messages is critically important. And if it wasn't for individuals in all of our lives telling us the gospel message, then none of us would be here today. However, in order to have the privilege to tell the gospel, almost always we need to show the gospel message. And we do that through our behavior and through our actions. But Jesus gave his disciples to not just be witnesses. He told them specific places where to witness. He said he wants us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And I thank the Lord that the disciples did go beyond Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea, because if it wasn't for that end of the world bit, none of us would be here today in church. You know, this calling is still just as relevant today as it was then. As we face these changes in our lives, I really encourage everyone here to ask God what he wants you to do in your life. Perhaps that calling is for a a radical change. Perhaps it does involve you leaving this town and telling people about Jesus in the far corners of the world. I had an absolute honor a few years ago to go to Brazil um, with OM, and I saw people queuing to board a ship for four hours to hear and experience the gospel message. There's a great hunger for the gospel message. This week, that same country announced that over 4,000 people were dying per day of COVID in Brazil. It's an absolute heartbreaking number. I believe that hunger for the gospel, the need to lift up the broken, has got far, far greater because of COVID. The poor have become poorer. Are you challenged by this? If you are, then, then let me know, because I'd be thrilled, honored to pray for you and support you in your calling. I do want to spend a few moments as well unpacking the Jerusalem and Samaria bit and what it might mean for us, because you know, I think Jesus is talking as much about situations and what these places represented rather than just physical places. You see, Jerusalem was a place the disciples loved, wasn't it? They saw it as home. They were passionate for everything and everyone there. This is the kind of place you could walk around, or they could walk around blindfolded, where they knew everyone and everything. But Samaria, Samaria was the opposite. It was the place the disciples did not want to be because of historical differences. Israel and Samaria were like two tomcats in each other's territory. And the disciples would not 
have wanted to spend any time there. It was a place they just simply prefer to avoid, even though it was close to their home. And I think for us, the question is, what's our Jerusalem? What's our Samaria? What are the situations we are most familiar with? Jerusalem could be our homes, our workplaces, our community here in Sawbridgeworth. These are places that are most familiar to us amongst people who we love. They're usually our happy places and places we spend most of our time. These are places where we can take off our shoes, express our deepest emotions, and be most vulnerable. These are places where our behavior and therefore our witness really shines through. But what about our Samarias? You know, for many of us here today, the irony is that the space that we would have considered our Jerusalem, our homes, may have actually become a little like our Samarias, places we did not actually want to be for long, long periods. I think there's been many who have struggled during lockdown. On 6th of June, The Independent ran a story that was headlined, a quarter of the adult population feel like they have no real friends. I think it's left many wondering where they fit in the world. Many of us have been separated from seeing elderly parents, grandchildren, Parents have not been able to see their children. Some parents have probably seen too much of their children and have had to navigate them through the months of absolutely nothing happening and missing out on so many life experiences. There's just no map for this. This is not a story of victory. I don't think anybody wanted to go through this. But if we look at what Jesus tells us to do, even in our Samaria's, in these places, God wants us to be a witness. As tempting as it is, God does not want us to take a holiday from being witnesses, even in these times that are tough. I think there's something about Samaria's situations that refine us. Perhaps it's because we lean on God more for his mercies, for his love. I think those who are faithful in their Samarias bear a powerful witness. And how do I know this? Well, I stand before you because of somebody who stood firm in his Samaria. Many of you know that my mum died when I was very young. I was only 12. Mum and dad had five children. And now dad was the sole parent. It was his Samaria. No parent would want to travel through that. But he did. But do you know, he held on to his faith. He took us five children to church every week. We prayed after each evening meal. Despite his Samaria, he demonstrated to all his children that the gospel message was stronger than the loss of a parent. I thank God for my dad 
He's finished his race. He's with Jesus. And because of his decision to witness, I stand before you all here today. Was he thinking this way at the time? Probably not, but he kept going. He kept blessing and blessing me. And I've no doubt he faced times of just wanting to give up. Again, the witness we show in our some areas is tough, but that gospel message is powerful. And it could be powerfully demonstrated. And if you're in a Samaria right now, then there are many of us in this place. Hold on to that word and those wonderful words in James 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So how to finish? Question. As our lives change, remember to take your questions to Jesus above all else. These questions may show our heart. I wouldn't stress if these questions aren't perfect or even wrong. As a father loves to hear his child, God loves to hear us speak with him. And the amazing thing is, is that through his Holy Spirit, and he answers, and we get to understand his heart and what his desire is for us, just like the disciples did. And as we face these great changes in our life, whilst we ask the question what our future holds, whilst we desire answers and certainty, we may not get it. Let's accept the answer Jesus gave to his disciples. The future isn't for us to know. He doesn't want it to be our concern. However, the calling on our lives is very clear. God wants us to be his witnesses in our Jerusalems, in our homes, in our Samarias, in places we may not want to be, and to the ends of the earth, whatever our circumstances. You know, we have an awesome and amazing role to proclaim the good news in our lives, to lift up the broken, to bring hope to the lost, to set captives free, to be his hands and feet. He's hemmed us in. He's with us, isn't he? It's God. He's with us until the end of, his, of the age. May God bless you and keep you. May his light shine upon you. May he give us peace. Amen. <laughs>